It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Happy Friday, Bills Mafia in the house for a special workday afternoon edition of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football entertaining or any occasion. In the house, as always, Mr. Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino, previewing the Buffalo Bills versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ryan, and we were talking about this today. I mean... This is such a kind of a weird game because I feel like going into it, the Jags are coming off of absolutely getting slapped by the Seattle Seahawks. So much so that I went back and watched that game. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. I mean, it was over at halftime. I mean, Geno Smith didn't have to do anything in the second half. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence in this offense couldn't do much. So it's kind of like this weird slog towards Sunday where it's like, I, don't, I almost feel like not a lot can, a good can come out of this game. I think you're right. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I pretty much said in my things to watch, this is a game that the Bills should not only win, they should dominate. Uh, But those are the kind of games that almost scare you a little bit because you're right. They they made Geno Smith uh, look like he was going to be a franchise quarterback somewhere else next year, which obviously is not the case. Uh, his, his career never panned out, but it was, that was such a, a bad game. We've seen them in these kind of beat down games already this year. I know the Bills aren't going in necessarily healthy on the offensive line, but this is still a game that the Bills should really be able to make a statement. Speaking of statements, I like that we're both representing uh, UB and uh, Bonaventure here on the pod. Game I'm coming, coming up in less than a month. I'm coming down with reinforcements. I was talking to my cousin yesterday. He's going to come down with me. My two cousins, I think, are going to come down with me, and we're going to bring the the Buffalo party to Olean and really just rock the house. We're gonna we're gonna get real loud and proud, and it's going to be awkward for you sitting next to us. But you know what? That's the way that it's going to go. That's the way that it's got to be. What is up, everybody? If you're joining in right now on YouTube, welcome. Thank you. Hit that like button. Let's get as many people trying to get through their workday on this Friday. Some Friday afternoon content. No big deal. All right. So I want to get into this game a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple different angles that I think are interesting uh, to talk about. I want to start on the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen matchup, which obviously I, I featured that on our on our, um, our our graphic here for the show because I think going and watching this Jags team, that's the one guy for me that stands out as a guy that if I'm the Bills, I'm game planning for him. I'm game planning for him if I'm Brian Dable. Sean McDermott, uh, I asked him about him today, and he actually revealed that you know the Bills liked him a lot during the draft process a few years ago when they got to look at him and uh, scout him a little bit, talk to him. He's a guy on a Jacksonville Jaguars defense, defensive line specifically, that you know there's not a ton of talent there. So this is a guy that defense offensives can really uh, zero in on and try to take him out of a game. It hasn't mattered. There's only been two games all season where he hasn't recorded at least one quarterback hit. And I expect him to be a problem on Sunday. He's, he's somebody that gets, makes it a habit to get in the offensive backfield, to hit the opposing quarterback. John Feliciano has already been ruled out of this game. 
So we're probably looking at some type of Cody Ford situation uh, reinserted into that starting lineup. Spencer Brown didn't practice again today. I'd imagine he'll probably doubtful again uh, uh, when the when the report comes out later. Listed as out. Just came oh, out right is. now. He okay. is listed as out for the game. There it is. So Spencer Brown is out. You're looking at Daryl Williams at right tackle and then probably some combination of Ike Butker and Cody Ford. I would guess that's no inside information. I'm just trying to project here. So, you know, this is going to be a, a situation where it's probably going to be Deion Dawkins versus Josh Allen. Uh, Jags Josh Allen on, on Sunday. And I tweeted it out. I'm looking forward to the matchup. Yeah, I am too. And if I remember correctly, Matt, I think the Bills actually uh, bought the URL. We drafted Josh Allen again, uh, .com, something like that. So if they would have actually had him fall into their laps, that would have been like a, a link that would have sent you back to buffalobills.com. Uh, so I'm sure they really did like him. There's a lot to like about him in that draft class in terms of being a pass rusher, in terms of what he can bring to the table. And And listen, he is that cornerstone player for them on the defensive side of the ball. He's that guy that can make some game-changing play, uh, plays. So the Bills do have to know where he is at all times. They have to figure out uh, the best way to attack that, especially with a makeshift offensive line. Like you said, no Feliciano, no Spencer Brown. So realistically, four of those five starters from last week are probably back with uh, Ike Butker playing that left guard spot. And we saw that when uh, John Feliciano went out, on Sunday uh, for that last series, it was Cody Ford in there. So that gives you the inkling that he's probably the next man up, but the bills do have a lot of guys with position versatility. So it'll be really interesting to see Uh, this Jacksonville defense. They've had some success this season, getting after the quarterback. They had double digit pressures against the Miami dolphins. And again, Miami's offensive line is nothing to write home about this bill's offensive line. You know, it could be in for some issues, especially without two of their starters here come Sunday. I'm interested to see what we see out of Cody Ford if he gets this opportunity. I Going back, I'm trying to think of a, a really good example of somebody that got benched in this kind of way, a high draft pick. And, you know, thinking off the top of my head, and maybe you could throw in an idea here, there's nobody really uh, coming to mind as a guy that you can tell that at least on some level, the coaching staff lost faith, faith in draft pick, had to kind of re, you know reboot, recover a little bit. You know, I asked Sean McDermott about Ford this week, and I was like, you know, listen, the guy gets benched. You may, you may have to rely on him once again. Where are things at? And he's like, I know this sounds weird to say, but like, this is just a situation where they're going with the best five players available. Is that is the is the idea that I got from him? They want to get a look of Spencer Brown, obviously, but they when they put Cody Ford back in the lineup, if they put him back in this week, apparently there's no lost confidence. I mean, that could be, you know, you're just trying to set your guy up for success, but this is a very important moment for Cody Ford on Sunday. It's a huge moment because if he plays good football over this stretch of time, it gives him the confidence that maybe he can compete for a starting role at some point again. Now, mind you, it's, it's a little more difficult right now. And I do really think that Spencer Brown's emergence played a big role in his benching. They wanted to get Brown out at right tackle. You have a lot of money invested in Daryl Williams, so you had to get him kicked inside to guard, and you already had money invested in John Feliciano as well. So it was a numbers game. It was a, hey, we just resigned both of these players type deal. Uh, so it's up to Ford, though, to, to kind of show it. Listen, my play, or I'm playing at a high level. You can't get me off the field here. So this is a great opportunity. It might be his last opportunity to really show what he, he can do because you know, in, in this league, uh, injuries do happen, and it's it's important for players to make the most of those opportunities. We've seen it at different positions throughout the 
uh, the league this year. We saw it with Mike White in the Jets. Unfortunately, went down with an injury in, early in the game last night, but he's on track supposedly to play against Buffalo coming up here. We, we've seen this, though, where players at a certain position come they perform well. They get a little bit of run. They get a little bit of a chance to win a starting job. And maybe that's what Ford needs. Just one more opportunity. And this is a big chance for him on Sunday. Uh, I love this here from Apex. Uh, and this is why we go. This is why we have the platform that we have, Ryan. I love the fan interaction, bringing in this, this great example of one, you know, kind of area where they did have to go in a different direction. And who knows if Cam Lewis. So the comment is for, you know, if you're listening back on this on audio version, Taron Johnson last year, he was benched for Cam Lewis who got hurt. Now look at Johnson. Exactly. Look at, look at Taron Johnson just signed uh, a, a pretty close to market setting uh, deal for slot corner. I think the only guy higher than him right now in the league is Kenny Moore uh, in Indianapolis, which is one of the best corners in the league and definitely probably the pre preeminent, uh, slot corner in the league. Taron Johnson was benched last year. And luckily for Johnson, it was a very short-lived benching because the Bills needed to go right back to him. Cam Lewis started that game. He got hurt. They had to bring in Taron Johnson. Who knows? Maybe they bench um, you know, Cody Ford a couple weeks ago. Spencer Brown gets in there. Daryl Williams goes down early in that game. Cody Ford's got to come back in and, and you know, you can kind of see that play out in that way. So I like that kind of comparison. That's a that's a situation where I like the comparison, but I will say that there's been a little bit more consistent high-level play from Taron Johnson early on in his career. He he was really good, I thought, in his rookie year into oh, his second great. year. And that kind of – the biggest question about him at that point was his ability to stay healthy. Uh, he had a couple uh, a couple game stretch in 2020 where it wasn't going well, but he had at least established himself as a starter. Cody Ford, you know, unfortunately for him – getting moved all over the place and not really having a, a, a position where they believed in him. That's that kind of led to, well, I just don't think he's ever established enough trust from the coaching staff at one position. That's been a problem too. Yeah, that's absolutely been a uh, worry. You know, that when they drafted him, they thought tackle potential, even though a lot of the draft analysts said guard, they tried it. Uh, injuries happen. Then eventually when he does come back, he has another injury. Then uh, this year they pretty much say, okay, you're going to be a guard. They they did let him know he'd be locked into one position or one area of position. He obviously, there's two guards on the starting offensive line. But we haven't seen enough from him. And like you said, it, it's been unfortunate because some of it's not his fault. You can't uh, control injuries. But it's a, at the end of the day, this is an opportunity for him to show that you know, he can contribute. He can play meaningful snaps for this team if, if he's called upon, uh, whether, you know, whether it's as the top reserve lineman or whether it's maybe starting in action if there's a long-term injury, whatever the case may be. And that's still important to this team. Really quick note, Matt, I was listening to an Urban Meyer press conference. I, I want to say he referred to Taron Johnson because we were just talking about him as, as like the best nickel uh, cornerback in the league. He had high praise for Taron Johnson. Yeah, and rightfully so. He's been in my opinion, one of, if not the most irreplaceable piece to this defense so far this season. I mean, he, he really, you know, came out here and earned that money. I mean, he, he was on the, he was trending in that direction with the way that he played down the stretch last year. And we all remember the Baltimore game and game plan specific matchups specific. The Kansas city game was one that I think in hindsight, you just flush was one game where a lot of things didn't go well. Kansas city had a good game plan. They didn't execute up front. And in those games, you know, it's it, it puts some pressure on the secondary. Outside of that game, Taron Johnson has been on probably a 12 to 17 game run of really just elite level football. And he's starting to, you know, garner some praise around the league. All right. 
I want to get into uh, Trevor Lawrence, but before we do, let's take a look at this injury report. So John Feliciano's out. Dawson Knox is out. So you're probably looking at Tommy Sweeney in once again for him. Uh, a develop, couple developments this week. Jordan Poyer, uh, Cole Beasley. Beasley didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. He was limited on Friday and is now questionable with a rib injury that he suffered last week. It seemed like Sean McDermott was 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 pretty wasn't too worried about it from based on his comments this morning. But we'll we'll track that, see where he's at if uh, if he could play on Sunday. If he doesn't play, I'll be interested to see if if they kind of put Isaiah McKenzie back in that role or if they maybe flush in uh, Gabriel Davis and allow Emmanuel Sanders to kind of do some work more predominantly out of the slot. We'll see. Jordan Poyer suffered a shoulder injury in practice on Thursday, didn't practice, was limited on Friday. He's questionable. Sean wanted to see how he went through today. We saw earlier this this year Jaquan Johnson come in and have an unbelievable performance in uh, relief of Jordan Poyer. So that might be a situation where if you have any concerns about who some people are talking about in Jordan Poyer, the best safety in football in 2021, how crazy – that that storyline has progressed over the last couple of years. Now the respect really pouring in for Jordan Boyer. If he can't go, I think, or if he's even on the fence, I, I think you might want to hold him out and give Jaquan Johnson another start with the way that he played last time. Yeah, and that's fair. And listen, you'd still have Micah Hyde back there. You would still have all your starting cornerbacks. Jaquan Johnson has a lot of experience in this system. So if you do have any questions, uh, this might be a game where you let him rest that shoulder so he is... Uh, close to 100% at least for a divisional opponent in the Jets the following week. And, and, you know, worst case scenario, I don't think necessarily it's something that's going to keep him out of multiple games. But worst case scenario, you want to have him as close to 100% as possible against the Colts coming up here uh, in the near future. So you you don't want to say that this is a game where you can rest multiple starters because, again, it's the NFL. Any given Sunday, any team can show up and perform. Uh, but it wouldn't be the worst thing if the Bills either gave him limited reps and, and worked Jaquan Johnson into a rotation or if they gave Jaquan Johnson a little bit of run and let him uh, see what he could do opposite Mike Hyde out there on Sunday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. The Shout Buffalo Football Podcast is brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, and they have from hot-to-go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, delicious salads and brownie trays. They got everything you need to feed the hungriest football fan. Let's get into Trevor Lawrence a little bit. How much of, have you watched of him this year, Ryan, first and foremost? Let's establish that because I've only seen now, I think, maybe one and a half games. Yeah, I'm I'm around the one and a half, two games. I saw the London game. I watched that entire game through. He had some nice throws in there, sprinkled in uh, through some inconsistent play, mind you. Um, but, you know, Jacksonville is not necessarily a team that's on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing a lot of the time at that 1 p.m. slot when the Bills are. So I, I can't sit here and say that I've watched him live. I've seen a lot of the highlights from this year for for him, but probably about the same as you in terms of how many games I've actually sat down and watched live. So if you go through his, his game log here, you know, he started off pretty slow, played against the Denver defense and really struggled uh, early in the season. Then he put together a nice little three game stretch. They had that one win against Miami that capped him, capped it. And that was probably his best performance going over 300 yards for the second time this season. Um, But then against Seattle last week, it kind of came crashing down a little bit, but he had, Basically, he had three straight games of 90 uh, QBR. Like you said, he's he's had some ups and downs. I don't want to say that he's sat here and looked like that 
generational quarterback that we heard all about throughout his final season at Clemson throughout the draft process. But you also have to look at the, the talent around him, the building blocks around him. And Jacksonville doesn't have a ton of it. They have some good offensive linemen. They have a few here and sprinkled in. Um, they like LaVishka Chanel. They had high plans for Travis Etienne before he was out for the year. James Robinson's a solid back. Uh, he'll be a little bit banged up for this game. And then they're depending on Marvin Jones Jr., who, mind you, is a very good veteran wide receiver, but he's not a game breaker. He's not someone that's a difference maker that could be his long-term number one guy. So you, you have to kind of put all of that into perspective uh, and realize that he's going to have some ups and downs on Sunday as well against this Bills defense. Three games where he had a 90 passer rating or, or higher, uh, and it slipped down under just under 70 this past week. And one of the things that I noticed that Seattle did was they took away the deep part of the field and really made him kind of dink and dunk, try to get pressure on him. I do like a couple of their pieces on the offensive line. Obviously, we've talked quite a bit about Andrew Norwell. I also think that on the um, on the ends, uh, they have uh, Juwan, jo- uh, Juwan, Juwan James. Yeah. Yes, and then uh, Cam Robinson at left tackle. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a pretty good job at times. I, I wasn't overly impressed with the Seattle's pass rush. Not that they've really had a great pass rush the last couple of years, but Trevor Lawrence is forced to move around a ton in deep part of the field and force him to kind of, you know, accept the check down and a guy that, you know, wants to make the big time play at times that can be a frustration. And he, he's, he's kind of got a little Josh Allen in him and that he wants to try to make a play. So he gets outside of the pocket. And the problem is with D, DJ Chark now out for the season and just Chanel, and I know they have Marvin Jones, and I like Dan, uh, Dan um, tight end. Arnold. Dan Arnold. See, that's why we're, you know, peanut butter and jelly, baby. You know, uh, we, we finish each other's sentences. You know, I like Dan Arnold. We mentioned him as a free agent target for the Bills last offseason. But they got a couple pieces is my point. But the problem is, is when you go into that, you know, that zone look and where, the, you know, the Bills, I mean, if Jordan Poyer plays, he's not going to find – a better uh, safety duo in the league that he is going to have to go up against and try to figure out how they disguise things. That could be a big time problem for Trevor Lawrence. And to me coming off of a game where I would imagine the morale is pretty low in Jacksonville right now, you got to get this offensive line up for this game. And I know it's a big game against the bills. If you knock off the bills with pretty much the season over, that's a big time win for your franchise. A lot of players, but if you don't get up and this defensive line is able to Jacksonville, This could be a long day for Trevor Lawrence. Oh, you're right. I mean, and we've seen some players on this defensive line really starting to kind of uh, warm up, so to speak. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, both playing pretty good football. Ed Oliver coming off of arguably his best game of the season. We know that Star Latula has been a consistent force. Uh, This is a game where I'd like to see a little bit more from the young pass rushers. See uh, Greg Russo do something. It's, It's been a few weeks since he's made an impact in terms of the, the pass rush, at least. Uh, and then A.J. Epinesa as well. Uh, one huge game against Miami that we keep referencing, but since then, kind of quiet. And, and mind you, there were some plays last week where I watched him and he was getting around the edge. It looked like he was held once or twice. Uh, but I, I want to see them finish plays, and this is an, an opportunity for them in a game where I think that the Bills can make Jacksonville pretty one-dimensional quickly if the offense puts up points the way I think they can. Uh, and then, the, the, you know, the D-line can pin their ears back, go after Lawrence. Secondary can be waiting in the wings, hoping for some tip passes, some uh, errant balls that they can intercept. And I, I think that the Bills have a good chance to kind of run away with this one. 
Renaissance man in the chat uh, is our buddy over on Twitter. I always uh, uh, appreciate his engagement. He said he's been impressed with uh, Mario Addison so far. I have to agree. You know, I think that coming into the season, I think we talked about it a, a few times in the show about getting that kind of production on a on a drop down in terms of what you're asking him to do. Playtime is going to be good. Now, I got to bring him up here off the top of your head, Ryan. Addison's still been playing more snaps than I think they probably ideally want him to be the last couple weeks. Yeah. So 45%, 47-48 the first three games of the season. Then it dipped all the way down to 30% against Houston and 33% against Kansas City. 53% against Tennessee, but all the way up to 58%, a season high last week against Miami. Now he did have the sack, and I thought it was maybe his his best game. You might be in a situation some weeks, and this is something we could talk about, if you're not getting that consistent pass rush from A.J. Apinesa or Greg Rousseau or both, you're going to have to lean back on Mario. And, you know, for at least one game against the bad Miami Dolphins offensive line, he did, he was able to contribute and give you some good some good snaps. But is that going to happen against some of the better offensive lines? It remains to be seen. Yeah, absolutely remains to be seen. And listen, before the start of this season, he talked about how excited he was about having Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham as back-to-back picks, knowing that A.J. Epinesa was entering year two. Because he said he came right out and said, I'm at that point in my career where I don't want to be playing significant reps each week. I want to be rotated in, stay fresh. So it's a little concerning seeing that he's jumping up into the, the, the 50s, the high 50s at that percentage of snaps. Uh, where that might not help him stay fresh over the course of this regular season and into the playoffs. So you do need your young guys here to step up. They have two really good veterans to learn from in, in Hughes and Addison. They, they have some other options on this roster. Obviously, it's been uh, multiple pass rushes have been inactive each week. We've seen F.A. Albada multiple times be inactive, Boogie Basham, obviously. Uh, but it'll be an opportunity for these guys, the young guys specifically, to really show out on Sunday. And I, I think that's the one thing that if you're a Bills fan, you're waiting to see is can one of these two young guys that you you took with your highest pick in each respective draft, obviously Epinesa because they didn't have a first round pick that year, uh, and then uh, Rousseau, can one of them start to be a consistent force against the run, against the pass? Because if that happens, then all that talk about the Bills being the favorites to win the Super Bowl, which betting odds they are right now, it becomes a lot more likely. They need some one, one young guy to step up in that front. And if that happens, I think this team is going to really take it to the next level in the second half of the season. So let's, 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 let's get through it a little bit here. I haven't had to give out my prediction once this week yet, but I want to start with you, Ryan. How do you think this game goes? Give us kind of a, a little bit of a, a preview into how you think it goes, and then we'll get to a score. Yeah, I think early on, maybe the first drive, the, the Bills are going to see what they have in that makeshift offensive line. They might play it a little conservative, try to get the run game going, keep that defense on its heels. But when it matters most, that's uh, the, the Bills are going to start spreading it out, throwing the ball, uh, utilizing the offense against a defense that I think they can attack. And when all is said and done, they're going to overwhelm Jacksonville. And at the end of the day, the Bills are going to pull away with this one, 41-13. to 13. Okay, so here's here's where I'm at. I really think that the Bills are going to be able to get some pressure on Trevor Lawrence, and I think as good as he's been since, I think it was three picks in week one, he's really 
gotten a handle on that over the course of the season. I think he only had one last week, and there was a bit of a miscommunication with Tavon Austin. Otherwise, I, he didn't put the ball. He had a couple throws where the ball was in jeopardy. You can't do that at all against this defense. They're turning the ball over at such an impressive clip. And anywhere you look on the defense, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, even he's he's had some success this year with when the ball is in his area making a play on it. So I am going to go big time win for the Bills. I think this offense gets the running game going a little bit. I think the passing offense gets going even without Dawson Knox. Even if Cole Beasley doesn't play, I think they rack up over 450 yards of offense. I think they went 45 to 13 and the 13 probably most of it comes because uh, late in the game, there's going to not be too much to play for. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I think you're going to see maybe some reserves come in late in that game on both sides of the ball. So maybe some Trubisky time at quarterback and then get some of your reserves out there on defense as well. All right, before we get out of here, I'm writing up a piece for the site right now on reasons or for and against going after Odell Beckham Jr. Now, listen, the Bills right now are 25th. You know, the, the, the Browns are releasing him. He's going to go to waivers. They redid his contract a little bit to get to to give him a signing bonus. So the team that ends up signing him is only going to have to take on like the veteran minimum for the year under a million dollars. So you figure that he's probably going to get claimed. Now, the claiming team is going to have to figure out, is this a situation that Odell is going to be happy in? Because a lot of people, you know, connect the dots and say Detroit Lions, who are number one on the waiver wire. Why not? They need a they need a wide receiver. The problem is, what kind of Odell Beckham are you going to get in your locker room? Is that going to be a good situation to go from what's going on in Cleveland going on there? And who knows? Maybe it would be. I don't know. The Bills are 25th on that waiver uh, claim list, and the likelihood of him not getting claimed because of the work that the Cleveland Browns did, I don't think is super high. But let's say that the opportunity is there to claim Odell Beckham Jr. I'll start with you, Ryan, and I have some thoughts. Does it make sense to go and just take a flyer on him knowing you could probably trade him in the offseason or move on from him just to kind of bring him into the mix a la an Antonio Brown? It seems that there seems to be some Bills fans who – who would like the idea of it? Uh, I have some issues, but go ahead. Well, you know, let, let's put personality aside. And I know that's tough to do because that is a big part of it. Talent wise, it makes sense from from the perspective that you're one injury away from maybe needing a guy like that to step up in this offense. And yes, they have Stefan Diggs. They have Emmanuel Sanders. who have been outstanding. Uh, Sanders, though, is, is probably just that one year option. And, and you He's 34, so anything can happen. Cole Beasley is dealing with a rib injury right now. Uh, Gabriel Davis, as good as he can be, he's, he's kind of been phased out of this offense this year. It's, it's same with Isaiah McKenzie. Odell Beckham Jr. brings more to the wide receiver room than either of those options that I mentioned in terms of Davis and uh, Isaiah McKenzie. So in terms of stocking up at that position, wanting to make a legitimate Super Bowl run, having a quarterback that when he's on the field can get him the ball, I know that's a big part of it as well. There are reasons to be intrigued by it. Do I think it's going to happen? No, absolutely not. I think he's going to get claimed well before uh, the 25th uh, selection that the Bills currently have. I made a case for Miami, in fact. And and, and listen, you you brought it up. You said, you know, is, is he worth bringing in if he's going to be a headache, if he's not going to report? If he doesn't report or if he's a headache, I think that just adds to his perception and, and it's uh, or to that perception that he's a, a problem in the locker room. And that's going to hurt him long-term with that next contract and trying to find a team long-term. So I, I think that no matter who claims him, he has to kind of show up, put on a happy face, and get to work, even if it is one of those bottom-dwelling teams in this league. 
you know, one of the problems with Odell and why it hasn't so much work with Baker Mayfield is because Mayfield specifically going back to Oklahoma needs receivers that have ability to go off script and make plays when the play breaks down. The problem for Beckham over the last couple of years is he hasn't really been able to, you know, uh, add that dimension to his game where he's really good in the scramble drill. And to me, that's a big piece of this thing. If you're the bills, one of the things that Diggs, Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis do so well is that when the play breaks down and it does pretty often with the offensive line questions that the bills have and Josh Allen's ability gets outside of uh, the pocket, you need wide receivers to be able to make plays after the fact. Now I'm trying to remember back to the giants and, you know, he had a, a, a quarterback early on in his career in Eli Manning where that wasn't his speci- specialty. When the play broke down, it usually ended with Eli Manning on his back because he wasn't able to get outside the pocket and run with the ball in his hand. So he didn't really have to do that early on in his career. So I think from a a play perspective, like how does he fit into the offense? There are definitely questions about that piece. But if you're Brandon Bean and like, you know, there was also a report out, I think it was Jason Lockhamfora that a couple of years ago, the bills, you know, Cleveland started, you know, asking, you know, uh, around the league, are you interested in, in Odell Beckham jr.? The Bills, at whatever the price tag at the time, apparently reportedly weren't weren't interested. You know, this is to me a different situation because you could potentially add a guy that at his best was a playmaker and a guy that, you know, for a team that needs to score points, he's a guy that you could bring in here and maybe find a role for him. But I, I think that there's a difference between where the Buccaneers were last year. That's a that's an example that some people have saying, like Antonio Brown came in and it worked from the very beginning, this is a little bit different situation because there's so much talent on the offensive side of the ball for the bills and so many established roles that I almost feel like there isn't necessarily that kind of opportunity. And this is a guy that's mad about the looks that he's not getting right now. You'll be entering a situation where you won't get looks again in certain weeks. And so I think that that could be a problem. I think in the end, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Uh, because I still think that the, I still go back to, you know, it, you know, it's a, a broken record here that the, the guy that I think that they need is the Von Miller or the, the Khalil Mack, somebody like that that could come in here and help on the defensive line. I think they have enough, especially with how good Emmanuel Sanders has been this year. And that's absolutely fair. Like I said, if you just wanted to have some guy waiting in the wings in case there's an injury to take on a bigger role, someone that could come in and just run uh, certain routes early as he's getting adjusted to this offense, he'd be a guy that'd be intriguing, especially as you're trying to outscore a lot of these teams come playoff time where, uh, you know, defenses will get challenged. So from that uh, perspective, I like it. But like I said, there's a lot of teams in front of the Bills. There's two teams um, that already have reportedly shown interest in the Saints and the Raiders. And I'm sure there's going to be a few others, too, that will at least take a flyer on the guy uh, for the year to see maybe what he can bring to the team and what his attitude is like. All right. We will track that story as it progresses. But we'll be covering a big football game in Jacksonville for you Bills fans on Sunday. Uh, if you're hosting a large party, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters uh, if you're staying uh, in town. For a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress for complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will see you on Sunday after the game. Enjoy your weekend. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.